Well, again, we welcome uh, Reverend Matthew DeLong to be with us on this day of rest and gladness to bring us God's Word. For a second there, everybody was still standing, so I thought we'd just stand for the reading of the Word, but you're already seated, so let's just stay seated. Um, Please turn to Leviticus 19, and I will read verses 33 and 34 from the English Standard Version. Leviticus 19, 33 and 34. This is the word of God. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This is the reading of God's word. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have gathered us together to worship you. We ask now that you will work through your word by your spirit, that you will work in our hearts, that you will give us repentance of sin, and that you will strengthen and give us faith. May you be praised through this. We ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I met Lee on a Friday night. Lee is originally from Cambodia, and we were returning home. Well, he was returning to his home. I was driving him, and Lee said, Matthew, um, let me tell you a little bit about my first day in the United States. So um, he had flown over 20 hours from Cambodia to Atlanta, the largest and nearest international airport to Auburn University. And he arrived, and much like many places in the United States, public transportation is a little sparse between airports and places an hour and a half away. No trains, there is a shuttle, um, but it's kind of hard to find and you need to know about it ahead of time. So Lee did the best thing he knew what to do. He went to the ground transportation exit, and he got a taxi for an hour and a half drive to Auburn, Alabama. He's dropped off in the middle of Auburn, Alabama, that bustling metropolis of slightly over 50,000 people and nothing else around it. And he's like, okay, where do I stay? So he went to a hotel. And he went to one of the better hotels in Auburn. Uh, I don't think he knew that at the time. Um, But between a taxi ride and hotel ride, he had spent over $200. And Lee was telling me on the drive back to his apartment, Matthew, do you know what the average monthly income is for a Cambodian? $200. So if you're used to having $200 a month, and you just go through 20 go through 24 hours spending $200 in a new country, he was scared. 
And if that happened to me, I would be scared too. <laughs> then he, then, then uh, Lee said, Matthew, before I got to the United States, these were my expectations. I thought nobody would want to have anything to do with me. I'm not from the United States. My English isn't very good. I don't know anybody here ahead of time. I'm not a rich man. I thought everyone would leave me alone. I have nothing to do with me. And so for Lee, having the opportunity to enter an American home, to have somebody who's willing to talk with him, to listen to him, this was breaking his expectations and it was significant. We just read Leviticus 19, 33 and 34. God was giving this to the people of Israel. They had left Egypt. They had been slaves. Their, their people had been slaves there for 400 years. And they had just seen God do mighty and powerful acts to bring them out miraculously. He brought plagues, but he also brought deliverance to his people. And now the Israelites were in the wilderness. They were receiving instructions from the Lord. But they had recently been set free by the mighty and outstretched arm of God. And in this passage, and you see it throughout scriptures, but in this passage, we hear about God's heart for the stranger. For those who are weak. For those who are vulnerable. For those who are oppressed. You might be asking, why might people who are strangers or sojourners, foreigners, why might they be oppressed or why might they be vulnerable? It has a little bit to do with the same thing that Lee understood in his expectations. They were in a new place, the Israelites and Lee, away from family Lee was away from family. Culture was different. They did not, Lee does not have a, uh, a land of his own here in the United States. He did not have a big income. And so when God is telling the Israelites, when people come and there are strangers in your community, I'm telling you to treat them as the native born, to treat them well, to show them love. Because they are vulnerable. They are easily oppressed. You don't have to go too far in talking with people who have moved to the United States from other countries to hear about ways people have cheated them. The ways that people have taken advantage of um, their language skills because maybe they don't speak English as well as others. They have taken advantage of their lack of connections. But God says that we are to love these people because they are created in his image. God has created even the stranger in his image. And we are to love them because they are created in his image. And loving the stranger, even as we love ourselves, is an, ex is an extension of that second great commandment. We, see it, we saw it earlier in Leviticus 19. Uh, where God said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here, about 15 verses later, he's also saying, you shall love the stranger or the sojourner as yourself. 
And this is repeated many times in the New Testament by Christ. Um, In the reading of Luke 10, even the man who came to question Jesus would say, yes, the second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what he did. (laughs) He was like, love your neighbor as yourself. But who is my neighbor? And that's part of what this text deals with. It helps to define who our neighbor is. And here in Leviticus 19.33-34, God gives us some emphasis on why we should do this. One, he tells the Israelites, you shall love the stranger who sojourns with you as yourself. And he goes on to say, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You know what it's like. You can empathize with these people. And then he puts more force on it at the very end. He says, For I am the Lord your God. He's saying, he's using the divine name. He's saying, I am your God. You are my people. And because I am your God, I'm giving this command to you. This command is not necessarily burdensome. God gives commands all the time, and therefore are good. Therefore the good of his people, therefore his glory. But God tells us to love the stranger even as we love ourselves. One of the ways that we can love the stranger, the sojourner, is by showing hospitality. In Romans 12, 13... We are told to seek to show hospitality. In Hebrews 13, 2, we are told to practice hospitality, show hospitality. Uh, it says specifically, do not neglect to show hospitality. Also, the idea of showing welcome, of showing hospitality is so important that when we see the qualifications for elders... In Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3, the elder is to be hospitable. He is to welcome others. And so from this, we see that God commands us to love and welcome the stranger. Or you could say God commands us to love and show hospitality to the stranger. But what's hospitality? Sometimes words are thrown out and they, the meanings are... Uh, mixed or weakened. In the New Testament, the word for hospitality is kind of a combination of two words that basically says love of strangers. Um, And that actually fits pretty well with what hospitality is. Loving strangers. Which then also goes back to Leviticus 19. We are to love the stranger. There is um, a man who had this idea of hospitality, and I thought it could be very helpful as we think about what does it mean for us to show hospitality, to welcome others. And this is from Henry Nouwen, and it says this. Hospitality means primarily the creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. And so showing hospitality, welcoming others, has this idea of in our heart, 
creating an environment of warmth, creating an environment of love, so that people can come, they can grow, they can change, they can be cared for. Hospitality starts first with our heart, with our heart for others, to love them. Also, sometimes there's a misconception about hospitality. Hospitality is not the same as entertaining. I'm not sure, um, sometimes they're interchanged. But I want to say, I want to bring a nuance here and say, hospitality and entertaining are two different things. And, and I want to say that entertaining is something different. There's times for entertaining. But strictly entertaining is not hospitality. If you're having an event, if you're having people over, but your heart isn't seeking to love and serve those who are coming, you are having entertainment, which is fine, but it's not hospitality. Hospitality focuses on your guest. If you're doing something primarily so that your guests will be cared for, so that your guests will be loved, so that your guests have some place that they can heal. This is hospitality. If you are having guests over and it's primarily about you, your reputation, about meeting your needs, we've shifted to the category of entertainment. Can we see the two different categories and how many of the events or activities can look very similar but there's a big difference between the two of them. Can we see that? It's okay to nod your head. Okay, good. Okay. As you're thinking about hospitality, you might also be thinking that there have been times in your life, and I know that there have been times in my life, in which I have not shown hospitality as God has commanded Maybe when you're in school, there are people who are different grades, from different families, from different places, somebody that knew that has moved in. Or maybe people that you've lived down the street from each other your whole life, but they're in different cliques. And we have not shown hospitality across these cliques. There's also times in which uh, social settings, we have not shown hospitality. You can see the person who's standing there, standing by themselves, sitting by themselves, they kind of look like they wish somebody would come talk with them. But we just stay away. We have failed to show hospitality. Um, I, I live in Alabama, Auburn, Alabama. Sometimes we do not show hospitality of people who have varying sports allegiances. Um, Auburn and Alabama, there's something big there. Kentucky, Louisville, you know, there are things that sometimes separates Duke, North Carolina. I want to throw that in there for you. Um, there's, there are times in which we allow other things to come between us and those around us. And we allow minor external things to prevent us from showing hospitality as God has commanded us. Sometimes we are not hospitable or loving to those who have differing political views. Sometimes it's people who even have different religions. But God calls us to love the stranger. 
and loving somebody doesn't mean we agree with everything, but we are called to love them. And there's a couple ways that we can fail to show hospitality, fail to love people in this way. Some of them um, fall into those sins of commissions, those sins that we actively do, such as mistreating somebody, shunning someone, shaming them. And there's also times, and these are much more subtle, but no less still falling short of what God commands us, those sins of omission where we fail to act, in which we fail to love, we fail to welcome. And if you're like me, you see that there are times in which I have failed to love those around me. I have failed to show hospitality. I have failed to welcome them. And that is what God has commanded. God commands us that we see here. God commands us to love and to welcome the stranger. And we have rebelled against his command. We have said, we may not verbally said this, but this is the, the way our heart is acting. God, I know that you have said this, but I think I know better. I'm going to do it my way. And yet, we have failed to love God in this, and we have failed to love our neighbor. And so because of our sin, because of our rebellion, we could be classified as enemies of God. And yet, as we read in Romans, that God has demonstrated his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have not loved others, we have not loved God as we should, and yet God has loved us, so much so that Christ has died for us. And in this, we see God welcoming and loving us. God loves and welcomes his people. God loves it and welcomes his people. And we see that primarily in the work of Christ. He said, you were far away. I have done everything that's necessary to bring you near. You were a stranger to my family. And my only begotten son has died so you can become my child. This is what God has done for us in loving us and in welcoming us. This gift of love and welcome, it is free. God says, come, come freely. I require nothing from you. Come. My son has done all that is required. He has died for you. He has fulfilled the law for you. He has fulfilled all of righteousness. That stranger whom you are commanded to love, Jesus has loved the stranger for you. And in that, he says, come. Come, be loved, be welcomed. Come to my family. Each time that you hear the word of God and the gospel proclaimed, God is saying, come, I love you, I love you, this is what I have done, come to me.
in John 14, Christ tells us that he is going even to prepare a place for us. John 14, 2, I am going to prepare a place for you. So even now, Christ has a place for you, his people, a place of rest, a place of welcome, a place of love. We're not celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning. But every time that we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, God is saying, come, I love you, Christ has died for you, and I want you to come and rest. Have your wounds healed. Christ has given his body and has shed his blood so that we can be fed, so that we can be strengthened for this pilgrim journey that we're on. And it's hard. It is difficult. God has called us to struggle in this life. And we look for our eternal reward because of what Christ has done. And there are these times through the preaching of the word, through the administration of sacraments, in which we are refreshed, in which we are reminded of how much God loves us, how he strengthens us, and how though we are weak, he is strong for us. And so God has shown us great hospitality in Christ. But how are we to respond to this hospitality, to this welcome. First of all, I encourage you to receive and enjoy God's love and the hospitality that he shows to us. God has loved us. God has loved you. God has loved you, and he has welcomed you. Even in the midst of pain, and sorrow, weakness, anger, and sin, God sees you. He sees you and he loves you. And when you're, when you're dealing with all of this, with uh, the struggle, the pain, the sorrow, the anger, God sees you, and you can come to him as your father, and you can, br- you can bring those feelings. You can bring that to him. God is strong enough to handle your anger. God is strong enough to handle your sorrow. So those times in which you're feeling like you are so sorrowful that you can't get out of bed, God is there with you and he loves you. When there's things that have happened in your life and you're so angry God sees that, and he loves you. You can bring those things to him. You are not going to break God. God freely gives you his love and welcome. And if he's given it to you, he is not going to take it away from you. You can rest in the comfort and assurance of knowing that he is, what he has promised to you, 
He will give you. And giving you His love and welcome, He will not take that away. It is yours. So rest and enjoy God's love and welcome. And also with this, we can give up the mentality, the thinking that we have to have to earn God's love and welcome. And that's something uh, that I think is very easy for us to, to slip into. Oh, I have to do this for God to love us. But God tells us that he loves us because he loves us and he loves us in Christ. And Christ has done what is necessary. We can also rest and give up the idea that we have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all together. Um, I know particularly um, there are times in life where you might be struggling. You're like, I have no idea what is going on. The whole week went by and I feel like it's been a blur. I got one thing done on my to-do list this week, and that was to show up. <laughs> we don't have to have it all together, and God loves us even when we don't have it all together. And so, let us marvel and rest in God's love and welcome for us. Another way we can respond to the hospitality and love that God has shown us is that we can actually love and welcome those around us. We can love and welcome the stranger. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes we're like, but I don't know anybody who's a stranger, but I don't know anybody who is in need. I don't know of anybody who's really like that, but in case that's what you were thinking to kind of work with this, that's okay. Uh, but we can love and welcome those around us. So when God often cares for the stranger, for the vulnerable, for the weak, and for the, for the oppressed, God often uses his people. And so my first recommendation is this. Pray. Pray for God to help us to recognize the stranger among us. Pray for God to help us to recognize those who need to be welcomed, who need hospitality. And also to pray for God to help us to recognize what their needs are. Um, and also, and this is metaphorical, but to pray with our eyes open. So as we're praying, to actually be looking around and saying, who might need hospitality? Who needs to be shown love? The other thing is to help make room for others. I think a lot of times when we think about hospitality, we think about welcoming people into our home. And that's wonderful. I love uh, welcoming people into our home, Shireen and me. We love having people in our home. Many of you love that. And that's a great uh, way to show hospitality. Uh, but there's times that even away from home, you can show hospitality. The idea of like the coffee shop where people just sit down and drink coffee and they're at like this really little table in a place that's probably a little too loud and you try to yell at each other across tables. 
That's a way to show hospitality in which you can sit down and have a conversation with someone. Um, and this, in having conversations with people, I recommend that we listen. And this is something that I will struggle with too. Oftentimes, when we're having a conversation with someone, many times, as we're listening, we are not necessarily listening to understand or to love this person well, but we are listening so that we can respond. What am I going to say next when this person says this? And I'm going to encourage you to take, take the time so that as we're having conversations and as we're listening, to actually listen, to understand. And as you listen, that is being a way to show that we love the person we're talking with. As we're, as we're talking, as we're having conversations, let's also use good assumptions. There's some good assumptions and there's some bad assumptions. Good assumptions include these. The person I'm talking with is created in the image of God. The person I'm talking with has had deep joys and deep sorrows. And the person I'm talking with needs Jesus. Those are some good assumptions. Some bad assumptions. Bad assumptions might be these. Assuming that you know everything about a person by what they look like. If you find out what they do for their job. Um, bad assumptions could be you hear the person speak so that you automatically are guessing their education level, uh, where they're from, what they're like. Basically, when we try to put people in a box, those are going to be some bad assumptions. When we recognize that this person is created in the image of God and that we are more alike than we are different and that they need Jesus, those are some good assumptions. And the other, one other thing, when we're welcoming those who are around us, if you know someone is hurting, do something. I know it can be awkward. You're thinking, what do I say to this person? Reaching out to the person is better than doing nothing. My friend Lee and I, we were a couple months later, and well, I mentioned earlier today, a couple months later we were at the Walmart. I take students to Walmart about once a week so they can do shopping. We also stop by an Asian market. And at this time we were outside Walmart. Lee and I had already finished our shopping. We were waiting on a couple other students to finish shopping. And um, we're just sitting there, and then all of a sudden, Lee asked, Matthew, do you pray? And I said, yes. <laughs> yes, I do pray. And uh, we started talking about prayer and why is prayer important, uh, why I pray to God, and, and um, how Jesus fits into this and why, why we do this. And he's listening, and he's, he's letting it soak in, and he's, he's thinking, okay. 
And then a little bit later, he goes, Matthew, how do you get rid of shame? And so I told him about Christ. And I told him that Christ, um, he has done everything that's needed for people to be welcomed into the family of God. That he has taken away our guilt, he has taken away our shame, and he has given us his honor, he has given us his dignity, he has given us a place in the family of God. And as, as this is going on, Lee is being invited. He's, he's hearing about Christ. He's being invited. He's hearing how God has done all that is necessary for him and for us to come and to enjoy the love that God has for us. Christ has shown us great love and he has shown us great hospitality and welcome. And he also calls us to love and to welcome others, especially the strangers. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, you have made a place for us in your world, in your kingdom, and even in your own family. You have made us your dear children. And you have welcomed us to yourself. Help us to rest in your love and the welcome that you give. We ask that your love and compassion will so overflow our hearts that we can't help but to show love, mercy, and hospitality to those around us for Jesus' sake. And so that he will receive much honor and praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.